The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. What up, what up? It's Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. You can find Midwest Swing on Twitter at Midwest Swing Pod and Zone Coverage at Zone Coverage MN. Got a lot of fun stuff cooking on the website. Some things we'll announce next week. Maybe we'll record on Monday, so stay tuned for that. I'm your host, Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. We have other local man, Justin Bailey, at I am Justin Bailey, producing By the way, today. Not a local man. The dirty Wisconsin yeah, man. That joke went differently in my head. It was supposed to be non-local man, but whatever. <laughs> and that other voice you hear, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, is Tom Schreier at T Schreier 3. You're going to Chicago soon. I am. I feel disrespected. Lucky. Therefore, I'm leaving for the Windy City, where they respect me as a man. They do, Bailey. They do. Sure. But no, I'm, there. I'm going there. I'm going Tuesday. Going to cover the series. Giolito. Maybe you should tweet about it while you're there. Should I? <laughs> hey. Dana and I talked about this. I'm like, we don't even know you're on the road. You're just kind of chilling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, when you read the articles, you can tell I've... Talk to the players you gotta, recently. You got to tell us about your foibles from the road. Stay, are you staying with your brother again? No, my brother is actually in Columbus, Ohio right now. So you're not going to commute then? No, I'm, I'm flying. I'm staying on the streets, the mean streets of Chicago. Are you going to get a rental car? No. Probably I'm a Hyundai? take the red line. No, stop. <laughs> stop. God, stop. We were talking about White Claws before we came on the show. <laughs> yeah, which Because nice. Justin Bailey and I were doing synchronized LaCro- LaCroix consumption. Not intentionally, just amazing synergy between us here in the room yeah. and amazing heat transfer because it's about 900 degrees in here we are in the t3 building fan ball we are the only ones in the building tom abandoned us the other day and we were literally the only ones in here I, I see a head over there by some of the computers so we're not quite as alone as we were then but feeling pretty alone anyway let's get away from that so we're talking about white claws <laughs> we're talking about white claws Yep. And Justin Bailey admitted he's never had one. And I, I also don't believe that. Justin Bailey's White Claw, we've established, you take a little soda water, pour it in a Red Dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm too busy drinking Red Dog. I don't need White Claws. Red Dog has more carbonation, I think, than White Claw. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> I've never had Red Dog, and now I don't think I want to. I, got, I forgot I need to bring some in. How about, we'll have some in the office purchase, here You next can purchase week. it legally here. Yeah, like you're yeah. not you're not just getting it. It's from a your little boy. overpriced. It's like fourteen dollars for a thirty. Well, how about, how about how about you bring two red dogs? No, and I will bring two cases. No, just just two <laughs> cans. It comes in cans, right? It's not like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, some kind of weird Wisconsin. It comes thing in a bag. Red. You can only get it in a keg or a red striped <laughs> bottle. I said a bag, like it's Franzia or something, <laughs> like woodchuck. You know, they come in those little yeah. mini bottles. I don't know, but. I'll bring a white claw for you, and you bring red dogs for us, and we'll drink them on the air. Sounds, no, oh, sounds yeah, good to me. Oh, God, they, no. Monday after, such a bad trade. Monday afternoon the, drink session. The guy, well, the guys here had a whiskey thing, so yeah, and but, Paul yeah. Churchin's a big whiskey guy. Yeah, yeah, but that's whiskey. whiskey. We're talking red There's dog. There's like a crate of whiskey, like 20 feet I will. I last thing I want is a red dog. It's literally, I think, will just corrode your insides. All right. We don't need to be hurtful. Uh, this is, yeah, this isn't my problem. <laughs> How's this my problem? I mean, yeah, I'm here for a good time, not a long time, Tom. <laughs> you might not be here for either if it keeps up. <laughs> Before we get to today's show, thank you so much for your reviews on podcast platform that you listen on, especially iTunes. They have where you can, it's like that purple icon 
if you give us reviews, it moves us up charts. We'd like to at least somewhat look popular. So if you can do that for us, that would be great. I know you got to sign in. I know you got to write something, but it takes 30 seconds and it's good for us and it allows us to keep pumping out this hot vo- uh, viral content. And so, yeah, uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you listen and there's a chance for you to leave a review. Five stars is appreciated. If you like the show, that is. If you don't, slide into these DMs. Let me know what you don't like because, frankly, we can't do the show without you, and we want to make it as good as possible. Anyway, Tom, so before you go to Chicago, the Twins have three against a team that is quickly hurtling. It's quickly traveling towards the end of a very long season. I think the mm-hmm. Tigers are like 35 and 87, Yikes. and I don't, even, <laughs> I don't even remember the Twins being that bad. I, I make I'm a sure lot of, they have been in the past. But yeah. I make a lot of comparisons of this year's Tigers team to the Twins in like 2013, the first what year What did I you say about it? They're 38 and 87. 38? I said 35. Yeah. I, I, I undersold them three wins, which is about a month worth. Right. And it's, it's ugly. Today was supposed to be Matt Boyd, the lefty, who's, who's pretty decent. Yeah. I guess he struggled since the trade deadline. Uh, all-star break, rather. Trade deadline, too, there was a chance he was going to be traded. But... He is on the paternity list. Drew Verhagen is going to take his spot. Then it's Edwin Jackson, who literally threw a no-hitter like 16 years ago. And then Boyd <laughs> will come back on Sunday. So am I being hyperbolic to say the Twins really got to take these first two? Because last time we did a show, we said 9-4 and four for the 13 between Chicago, Detroit, Chicago, Detroit. Yeah. And Chicago proved a little more difficult than expected. Anytime you run into Lucas Giolito, and they're going to get him again on the south side while you're there. Yep. Tuesday's game. It's certainly possible that, you know, you're going to have a bad time. And that's pretty much what happened. He was he was pretty nasty the other afternoon. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, you were there, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, I think... Um, then you had to go lock up your parents' house? I did. I'm glad we were saying this on the air. <laughs> it was weird when Bailey went in. I was like, Justin, get out of there! <laughs> but he did. He, he left and I locked the Good. house. But um, I... Uh, yeah, I think I think losing that game, kind of the Giolito game, if you will, where he said he was hyped up on Red Bull. I guess he's yeah. I guess he's kind of a. It reminds me of Casey Fiend back in the day. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like Red Red Dog, pretty much. Right. Oh, Same is that the, the derivation? Yeah, it's actually Red Dog that's just sat out a little longer. Oh. But um, I actually <laughs> I actually had like sorry, I'm distracting from like actual Chinese Red Bull, and it's literally Red Bull <laughs> in a little like vial, and it's not carbonated. And it comes from like a, a like a. a well, I don't Did you order it. this legally online? It was like a, a, a an Oriental <laughs> restaurant or not restaurant, but grocery store in Minneapolis. Like it, it built itself as that. I'm not using the word Oriental derogatorily. <laughs> derogatorily, I don't know what the word is, but it yeah. Just, so it, it it's actually like syrupy, and so yeah. Not, uh, not yikes! Great. Yeah, imagine just letting, like uh, you said, a Red Bull just sit out for yeah, a few days. Yeah, and then that turns it. into Red Dog. Yeah, but um. Oh no. The uh, no losing the Giolito game, I think is reasonable. I it, a guy like that who's pitching at his best. I think he only pitched like 117 pitches through nine innings, pretty much unhittable all night uh, or all day. Losing that game is fine. Losing the first one, mm-hmm. and I know I think that's more kind of the travel day. You know, I think that's like a Kent Herbeck line, but I think a lot of people have said this, that um, sometimes the hardest game is your first game back home. Yeah, but Yvonne Nova. And you I just know. Swept no, the totally. Texas Rangers. And, yeah. Oh, man. I mean, adjusting to probably a 30-degree temperature difference, but I, I think 
they should not have lost the first game. Losing the the one game to Giolito, mm-hmm. stuff like that will happen. I, Odorizzi didn't look great. I think he probably wasn't as bad as a 4-0 score would indicate, mm-hmm. but um, a lot of those kind of just squeezed through the infield, and that's that's kind of the reality of baseball. So I don't think the Wednesday game was necessarily like a, a super bad loss. What it means is because you've lost two, you don't give yourself much margin of error. Having said that, Cleveland is three and seven in the last ten games as we record. This yeah, I was gonna, I was going to ask you have you been how you know you've obviously been retweeting me because mm-hmm. you never send any real tweets. But I don't, I, I don't want to. Yeah. I, I know what's out there in Twitter. It's a lot of Justin Bailey's. It's a lot of men on Red Dog. They're wound up or like on Reddit. We we have to bring back that feature. But the Twins have been okay lately, and the the Cleveland Indians have been losing. Like you said, I've been watching them closely. Last night it was pouring rain, so they take like a. Uh, felt like a two-hour rain delay. I don't know the exact time. Come back for like 34 minutes, and then the rain comes down again, and they end up calling it. The Twins fans stayed up till 12:30 or whatever for that to happen, which particularly stinks because that's on the East Coast. So it was actually 1:15, 1:30 when that game was called. But yeah, so Twins up three and a half. It's the first time they've been up three and a half since Miguel Sano's walk-off pushed them to four, and then they lost the next day with an idle Cleveland. So and this is because they went two and two with the Yankees, and then maybe surprisingly got swept by the Mets. And two were in extra innings. Hand blew the first save. Yep, that was the one I was listening to. Yep. It was really ugly because it was um, Ahmed Rosario opened the 10th with a double. Then they bunted him over the tying run. I, Mickey Calloway. That, that, Justin's a Mickey huge Mickey Calloway guy. was... People thought he might be the Twins manager someday, and I'm like, yeah, bunting like that? No, I'm glad that it's Rocco who like literally does. Okay, Justin Bailey, Bailey is going to have in. like I the have worst some, comment. I have some bunting hot takes. I'm a big fan of the suicide squeeze. Just I Sanchez, Sanchez, I love it. it. I think yeah, it's, but with two strikes and a right-handed pitcher, that was a really bad game. Yeah, you got to pick your moments, but um, I think I mentioned the one Brandon and I did together. Um, if you I heard it, if you're throwing a no hitter and someone goes up and bunts for a hit, love it. Uh, suicide, oh, suicide God, squeeze, baby. love it. Oh, just so what you're saying is you're kind of a bastard. Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. When I said 100%. Twitter is full of Justin Bailey's, this is what I mean. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know, drop down a bunt. It's fun. Dan Hayes Shake told me up to mute bit. people like that. <laughs> just move on. <laughs> Give me a pep talk. It was I'll do it helpful. for you. Oh wow! <laughs> Did you mute everyone or just you? No, I think he just muted my headphones. And yeah. Now, now my brain's struggling. Well, but, so anyway, I've been watching the Mets closely. So Rosario doubles offhand, gets bunted to third, and then up come. Oh, they walk Pete Alonso, and then up comes. I'm trying to remember who it was. Maybe Todd Frazier. Rolls a ground ball to first. Santana fires it to second, and then nobody's covering first base. Oops. And the tying run scores. So the game would have ended if not for for that. And then J.D. Davis ends up hitting a big double, to, or actually it was a single, I think, yeah. it was, but it was off the wall, or bounced and hit the wall in left field, and, and Naquin couldn't get to it. So obviously, you know, a couple late-game heroics between Mother Nature and J.D. Davis, but like many predicted – the Indians have kind of hit the skids of late. Yeah. So um, doesn't mean the Twins shouldn't still take advantage of this soft spot in the well, schedule. And, and think a little of, more leeway. Think about people lamenting that the Twins didn't take advantage of losing or having three with the White Sox. You know, a White Sox team that's not particularly good. They are not as bad as Detroit and Kansas City. Although no, no. Kansas City's played um, Minnesota well. But, here, but here's the other thing. Indians fans have to be lamenting the fact that they dropped all three in New York with a chance to win 
I don't know, but I, I don't have the scores in front of me, but at least two of those, they had a very legitimate yeah, one chance went, to win. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh um I think that's a fair point. I think I don't know how much this changes for the the Twins, how their outlook really for oh, for see. the Chicago series. I'm just saying how they're going to approach this, you know, Detroit, Chicago, Detroit. 97.7% to make the postseason, 9.2% to win the World Series. Pythagorean record 76 and 51, By 77 the way, and 50. So 27 games over 500. I mean, you can't understate that. And the last game must have been rain, right? It says final eight. So that yeah, that's wasn't. the one last night that we stayed up till. Well, I yeah, 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 yeah. So, so not technically extra innings, but yeah, I think it's. Um, they gave the inning back. That's what they did. Yeah, if you, if they don't take advantage of this though, they will kind of be punished for it, right? You, you, you know, you go into Boston, Cleveland, Washington, Cleveland. I mean, that that's if Cleveland goes into those two series and the Twins have not crushed you know chicago and detroit i Cleveland, think that's where cleveland could take i think over. you have to come out of detroit with a five game lead in the division at least really i well i just think because there's going to be it's tough in fenway and washington's pretty good right well cleveland's coming here washington's all right it's going to be the re- return of brian dozier how how psyched are you about that i think there's a good chance brian dozier like has a two home run game or something like that i mean i think against like martin perez yeah i mean i think he's uh it's got to be or or michael pineda because pineda gives him up sometimes too yeah i mean it's or just, kyle gives you know maybe it's just anybody yeah i mean it's the juice ball and all that but if it's, it's jose barrio so that would really be a bummer because he's really struggling lately i think the dozier um we should touch on brios kind of this this thing where he you know towards mm-hmm. the end of the the season he's struggled traditionally but um dozier the Dozier revenge game feels like an inevitability. So, yeah, but yeah. we thought the same about Lance Lynn, and it didn't really pay it. Lan- Lance Lynn is having a revenge season. But Lance Lynn had the Lance Lynn Twins game where he threw 100 pitches in four innings. So, right, maybe he'll be fine. The point is, they need to still take advantage of these games. I don't think it changes it much. They've just gotten lucky that this weird upstart Mets team is beating up on them. Well, I think the Indians have the Royals next because I think it's Jake Junis tonight who's. Already faced them four or five times this year. Yeah, I mean they have Royals in, in Detroit. If if the Twins, you know, don't take care of business, Detroit's also or sorry, Cleveland's also playing bad. Things. Yeah, they basically have to do the thing where you hold your little brother on the head while they're swinging at you because yeah. they can't pick up ground if you don't lose. And so they'll see them September sixth. By that time, we'll have expanded rosters. If we have time today, we'll take a look at the forty man roster and think about who we might see coming up for the Twins. We do have, again, the Tigers in town. Pitching matchups for this weekend are Drew Verhagen versus Jose Barrios this evening, Edwin Jackson and Kyle Gibson, and then Martin Perez will take on Matt Boyd. None of those are particularly interesting to me. It's, yeah. it's Twins, Twins, and then probably Detroit that have the advantage in the third one. But the Twins, here's the thing. Even if you don't like the Twins facing Matt Boyd, and maybe you think Matt Boyd kind of gets back up on the the horse, so to speak, after struggles. I think the Twins are the best offense against left-handed pitching in all of baseball. So I think you still have to like their chances, especially if they can load their lineup against righties. Another thing that I noticed today, Eddie Rosario not in the lineup. He's been battling some, I think it was hamstring issues. I think he got lifted from the Wednesday afternoon game in favor of, I want to say, A. Ray Adrianza, and they kind of shuffled some guys around. But that'll be something to keep an eye on. Unless we find out anything while we're recording... And so far, nothing has come through. We'll find out if it's a potential IL stint or if it's just kind of a day-to-day thing. If it's an IL stint thing, it could get a little dicey because 
Lamont Wade is still rehabbing. I don't think he's quite ready to come back. He just got transferred to Pensacola. Williams Estadio has been in Pensacola. I'm not sure if he's ready to come back yet, but he's probably getting close. Yeah. But Byron Buxton certainly isn't ready. He's supposed to be taking some live batting practice on the field here in the, ne- the last couple days or the next couple days. So he's progressing. But unless Estadio is ready, you might have to get creative. Or, you, you know, you have that other 40-man spot. Alejandro Diaz is in AAA, but he's hurt. I don't know what they end up doing. Yeah, I think it, the injury bug is kind of catching up to him right now. I They've done well with the call-ups, as in mm-hmm. I didn't expect Arise to be this good. You know, Thorpe. And I mean, he could play left field, but I, I don't think that's a really. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's a straight. By the way, we should mention this Kansas City game that's going to be played tonight. If you listen in time, it's going to be ESPN Plus. If you happen to have nice. that service, you can watch it. By the way, where would the Twins be without Marwin Gonzalez? When you, when you think about where the Twins yeah. are right now with, with that injury situation. And the reason why I was so gung ho about them signing him, although most of the offseason I was pessimistic because I didn't think they'd pay what it would cost, was first of all, Miguel Sano, you needed protection from him. Yeah, I just I wrote about this when I was in Milwaukee. Well, because yeah. A. Ray Adrianza was the backup option there. Yeah, they don't have Eduardo Escobar to fall back on anymore. You don't really want A. Ray Adrianza playing every day. Now he's hitting fairly well and could play a little more, but you needed that kind of protection. You needed a guy who could play everywhere. He's almost like their Ben Zobrist, who's playing every day though. Yeah, and, and I the way I saw it. I mean, I've been sa- talking a lot about Marwin Gonzalez on this. The outfield of strength, he kind of protects you there in the sense that you don't you lose a lot when Buxton goes down. Mm-hmm. But it would certainly be more devastating if he wasn't wasn't available. Um, he can hit like an everyday player, and that's what justifies him. He's played a really good defensive third base too. I saw there was a baseball think factory or some kind of data solutions that sent out numbers, and he has one of the highest rankings at third base this year. So. That's certainly positive as well. Yeah. I mean, I think he he also just has an attitude of he's not going to make too much of, you know, the situation. He's kind of like hit. has glove, will travel. Yeah. And no, but I mean, he hit he hit a bomb off of uh, Mr. Bailey's boy, Hater, and, you know, no emotion. He acted in the clubhouse. He acted like he had gone one for three with a double mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. Um, you know, I think he's... Um, He's had big moments in the past with the Astros. Yeah, he had a to big homer in the World Series. Kenley Jansen, I think. I think that's right. Yeah, um, game two, I believe. And um, just kind of a track record. He, he hit well against the Indians, and in that I think that was last year, actually. Um, as a member of the Astros, comes not, from a winning environment, but also is part of the Astros losing, too. Yeah, well, not, not quite as good as Nelson Cruz against the White Sox, I might add. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. But I... So he's a guy who had a similar experience in a different area. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it was really hard for him coming over here just because he had grown so close with the the Houston players. I believe he had a weak first month. But since then, it's hard to keep the bat out of the lineup. And mm-hmm. and I thought it would be more kind of bat first and defense second. He, he's looked capable wherever they put him. He made a great catch in replacing Rosario earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Right? That was one where it almost cost him the game. Yeah. Like if he dives and misses it, I think they say, you know, there's a very, very distinct possibility the Twins lose that game because it was, I think it was Taylor Rogers on the mound in like the ninth inning. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's why I've, you know, I, I read, it's a short piece just kind of on, on um, why I'm a big fan of his, he did receive all-star votes at third base. So he's good enough mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. that, that he that would have had to been right in, right? I mean, 
He was fourth or fifth or something like that. Oh, that's right. He would have been on the ballot at third base because I bet Sano wasn't on. Sano was injured. So um, I'm so far distant from All Star Game stuff because like, I know I just don't think about. No, it. No, it's just something that stood out because it's like that's funny. Like Marwin Gonzalez, not the everyday third baseman, is receiving All Star votes. It's you know I, I wrote about Jake Cave too, and I, Jake. Yeah, Marwin, he shared it on Facebook. I saw. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah, cool. So um, I think. Marwin Gonzalez is a astronomically better player than Jake Cave. Jake Cave's a six-round pick who came over. They traded like Lewis Gill or something like that to the Yankees mm -hmm. for him, who's in low A's. Perfectly player. acceptable fourth outfielder that got squeezed yeah. out by Marwin Gonzalez being on the roster, basically. Yeah, I mean Gonzalez is at twenty-one million, at least as they are as it stands right now. I mean, Gonzalez is a twenty-one million dollar player for two years. I think the twins would consider extending it too if you could get the right deal for him. I, you know, I don't know how reasonable that is, but Jake Cave in my mind is exactly what you said. Capable fourth outfielder was hitting below 200 when Buxton went down. Mm -hmm. Was hitting like 120. I just wrote about this like 121 or something like that um, a couple months ago, and people were sick of him. Oh, right? they were so done with him Be because he looked bad. Because every time he was out there, he just kind of looked. If you looked at his AAA numbers, you didn't understand why he was hitting like that in the mm -hmm. majors. I think a lot of it is consistent playing time, and that's well, kind yeah, of what Rocco talked about. Hurts, hurts so much. Um, but the numbers, and this is not, you know, this is not conjecture. Looking through the numbers, Jake Cave is best as a substitute player. So mm -hmm. when he's pinch hitting, he's best against lefties, which is a little surprising. But he, I don't know. I don't know if I'll see that bear out over a full season, but this year for sure. Yeah, and I we've seen it with Kepler, right? Kepler's gone back and forth last year for sure. For sure, this year he's been. Killing everybody. So. Yeah, but my point is, is that, and Jake Cave is still young-ish. He's in his mid twenties, I think. But like, I, you know, he, um, he's a guy I see as kind of either a starter against lefties or comes off the bench late. Mm -hmm. And he's been forced into a tougher position. The best thing about that for him is that he gets to play every day, and now he's back to that 2018 form. Which, when we saw that, we were like, that was a good trade. Even if, unless Lewis Gill ends up being way better than, mm -hmm. I don't know who knew who Lewis Gill was in the minor league system. He's 21 years old. He's in <laughs> Seth you know, Stoles, low and that's probably it. Yeah. I mean, my, my point being is, even if Lewis Gill reaches the majors years from now, you'd say that was a good trade. You it's got, like the you guy got that it. they traded for Jaime Garcia. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oscar, you know, it sounds like you're clearing your throat when you say yeah. his name. But the fact that he made the big leagues, the Twins still flipped and got Zach Littell, who. So I was going to write a story on Zach Littell, and this is how good – I won't say I'm necessarily good at this, but I've gotten better at reading cues around the clubhouse. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to write a story about how great Zach Littell has been. And I'm like, okay, he's not at his locker. No big deal. See him come out of that little auxiliary door on the right side, and he <laughs> just looks defeated. He looks so upset. Right. And I'm like – well, he just got sent out for Nelson Cruz. Yeah, and you know what? If I, felt, I'm, I felt so bad because he's been pitching so well. So that's my point, is if I'm Zach Littell, I actually think he's a different class of players than kind of the guys on the shuttle. I know he's technically, yep. Yep. that's technically who he is. But I just didn't think he'd get shot, uh, sent out in favor instead of like Lewis Thorpe. Yeah, I, Lewis Thorpe's the other, other guy, though. I think Lewis Thorpe is separating himself from the pack. Well, and also to have a second lefty for the middle innings when Taylor Rogers is closing. Totally. I, I don't know how much that helps. I don't know if Ryan O'Rourke is in that mix, by the way. They just, yeah, they just re signed him, yeah, one of my yeah. favorite dudes. And someday we'll get him on the show. Maybe yeah, maybe he'll be a pod. September call up and he would I think he would definitely Drink come over. Drink some here. red dog with uh, with Bailey. Yeah. I think he will uninvite himself if he knew that was the case. <laughs> but I, I think but yeah, so so 
I think people had this image in their mind of Jake Cave as the sub 200 hitter. Mm -hmm. That's not who he is. I think he is actually who he was last year. And that's not an everyday, you know, starting. He can give you a jolt though. He hits the ball out of the ballpark. He's he's Cleet Thomas with a little bit of power. I think think he's an ideal fourth outfielder, to be honest. Situationally, if he improves upon where he's at right now, maybe a little bit more, but but he's not going to compete with Rosario for a spot. You flip him and then you bring up. Lamont Wade, if, if you get more value than what he gives you. I actually, and I like the contrast between the two players, JK, by the way, 26. I mean, there, there is some potential room for, for development. I just think he, he is who he is. Lamont Wade's younger and, and kind of like Robbie Grossman 2.0. Lots of, but with more power. I don't know. He's slugged like 390 in the minors. So I, okay. I would, I would think he might have more power. By the way, those defensive numbers that I referred to, they list Robbie Grossman as the best defensive left fielder in the American League this year. That's how much he's improved. Really? In, I, a, in a weird park. Too, I swear Oakland, that right? like every other day I'll be like reading tweets and Susan Slusser, who is an absolutely terrific beat reporter yeah. out there, is like, Robbie Grossman with a diving play. And I almost am like that. Who's the basketball player? Is it Nick Young that has the question marks? Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Like that's the face I make when I hear Robbie Grossman makes a, a great play. But apparently he's been good out there, and I think Lamont Wade could reprise that role. I think he might be a better defender over the long haul. But they've got a lot of fourth outfielder candidates, and then it also gets back to I think they could trade Rosario for pitching this offseason. And our guy Sticks, who we got to get back on the show, also said he actually sent me a text. He's like, I think they should trade Rosario for pitching this offseason. And then about 10 minutes later he goes, I probably stole that take from you. (laughs) And I'm like, so let's get to that in a second. So just to be clear, I like the contrast between the two players. Jake Cave, you said, is kind of the jolt of power. Mm-hmm. Lamont Wade is the non-base guy. He's like... If you put them together, you would have a dynamite player. Yeah, but it's nice to have both options. In terms of Rosario, you can trade him next year. He's entering the last year of his deal. I might even have two years left. Okay. Oh, that's right. Because, he yeah, two, in 2020 I think, I think arbitration. I think it's two years. Um, I think Rosario is tough for me. I Eventually, this is actually probably you'd write it more most more sophisticated, but if you look at his numbers, he's the same player as last year. In fact, his on-base percentage is down. Mm -hmm. Um, The home runs are up, and I think it's hard with him and Kepler to know what exactly you're getting. Kepler doesn't matter. He's under contract. Right. Good player. Um, But you don't have to determine, are you going to kind of, you know, what you're going to pay him. Rosario, in Rosario's case, he was given the same contract, right, as Polanco and Rosario. Offer or, sorry, sorry, offer the same contract. I don't, I don't know if we know numbers, and I don't know, like, I'd have to jump over on Baseball Reference and see how they compare service time-wise. Yeah. But I feel like they all kind of came up somewhere in the same area, so it's probably not. Like, I, I Polanco mean, it, might have more service time than the other two because he came up in 2014 yeah. for a very brief stretch in Texas. His, yeah. I don't know. But nevertheless, I wouldn't be surprised if they also did, you know, offer to Buxton, offered to Rosario, I really doubt they did anybody else. Maybe Buxton, Buxton's a better player than these guys, though, I think. You're more valuable. Well, yeah. I, and I, the injuries are going to worry people. But it, Do you remember the people last year that wanted the Twins to dump Buxton because they had Jake Cave? Well, I can think of one man who sits in this room yeah, who yeah, definitely yeah. drinks Red Dog and thinks Buxton should be dumped. Um, yeah, because he had Jake Cave. Yeah. And, and again, I, I'm not really Big knocking Big Lorenzo Jake Cave. Cain guy, are you? Yeah, I'm not, right. I'm not, not knocking Jake Cave by any means. It's just like that take looks re- ridiculous, even with the injury. Those are the people that I should be ignoring, and and yet here I am. <laughs> here um, I am. 
the just to compare this. So Max Kepler, a little over uh, two years. Sorry, he's you know two one fifty two. So that's that's the way that is is two days. years one hundred fifty two days, and I think yep. this season is one seventy. Yeah. So he, so almost exactly three. This years. is going to surprise you. Polanco's two twenty four. He just came up for short stints at age twenty five mm. games, twenty one five games, and then you're going to love this. D- guess how many games he played in. 2016 69 69 games so 133 and 17 that's when he established himself as a player so Kepler actually and more service half time. the year and oh, he lost service time with the suspension yes so he games. would be almost exactly no he'd be about 40 games behind Kepler if he hadn't been suspended yeah. 40 days not games sorry yep so they got the same contract last year both contracts looking really good so what do he, you have for Rosario it's gonna surprise you 3 120 yeah, they brought him up. So I remember when he came up, you know, first at bat, home run, and everything. I believe it was a temporary thing, and if I'm not mistaken, it might have been like when Oswaldo Arcia was hurt, and they Maybe. just fifteen. He just never went back down. Well, actually, I take it back. He went back down. I think the next year he had a really rough stretch, went back down, and then came back up. But that was when he was like overthrowing bases. He was swinging at everything. You know the yeah, no discipline. The things that whenever he's going bad are kind of his trademarks, but. He was expected to be a temporary call-up, and he just stuck. Yeah. Home run on his, the first pitch he ever saw. I, I think the thing with the Rosario is that... It, I think Jamie Hirsch was interviewing his parents at the time. Really? I think. Yeah, that might be right. Um, Rosario is a candidate to get overpaid a little bit. I, I think, I'd let somebody else do it, though. That's what I'm saying. So what what is what is your ideal contract for him? I don't have one. I want him traded. Like really? I don't, I don't dislike him, but if I'm in charge, I'm flipping him. So, I'm, I'm not even discussing extension with him. I don't think his skill set ages well. Yeah, it's just like he's he, got fast hands. Yep. He's got power. He's got pretty good speed. Yeah. Doesn't have a ton of discipline, both in the field or at the plate. Although it's gotten better this year. I, discipline has it though? I don't know at the plate. In the field, I would say so. He's less lost on the base I, base paths, and he's. I want him to be someone else's development. Like I want I've. I've got. I think I've gotten the best of Eddie Rosario at this point. If I'm the GM, and I say, "Can I get a you? You want to find a guy? So the name that I'll bring up is like a Zach Gallen who got traded to the Diamondbacks, and was a he actually pitched against the Twins with the Marlins and then got traded the next day. I want to find one of these one or two year guys who may not be a superstar. So we're not talking about you know Matt Boyd at the peak of his value. But you find an underrated, underutilized, underappreciated guy like that. And now, granted, you have to find a team that needs a corner outfielder that would like a guy like Eddie Rosario. Like a team that I think of is like the Blue Jays because they have Randall Gritchuk, who is very similar, and they gave him like a $50 million deal. But they also have traded all their compelling pitchers. You know, Aaron Sanchez was moderately compelling, and now he's on the shelf. So too is Ryan Presley, by the way. Yeah. For the next four to six weeks, which certainly stinks if uh, if you're a president. Bummer. Sanchez was getting going too. Right. I mean, they basically just took the analytics and said, "Hey, quit doing this, start doing this, and we'll yeah. make you into a better pitcher." Which is what the Twins should be doing. Right. But, and I yeah. think what they'll have to do is find someone like that, and then maybe get a sweetener, maybe a future utility infielder, a Ronald Torres type. Or remember the Francisco Liriano deal, the second piece in that trade. Uh, Escobar. Eduardo Escobar. Yeah. Find a Which, piece by the way, it. going back to Marwin, you'd rather have Marwin than Escobar, right? I don't know, man. Really? He's having an incredible season. Yeah. 
But I don't want Escobar in the outfield, whereas Marwin yes, kind of grits yeah. your teeth and Barrett. Yeah. But Escobar, as much as I don't care about RBIs, he was leading the ma- major leagues in RBIs as of like a week ago. With the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and he's yeah. coming up on like 30 homers. That's weird. I think, so I'm assuming you have a minority opinion here on Rosario. Oh, no question about it. No question. And, and really what I think you like about him is his attitude. Polanco has that a little bit too. He's a quieter guy, but I think, he's very I think intense. fans overrate, and this is me saying that I don't have any more intel than they do really. I don't think he's as big of a cog in their clubhouse as people think. Really? I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I can't quantify that. And I don't want to be on like the record of saying, I don't think he's appreciated. I don't think he's a good player. I think he's all those things, but I just, I don't think you would see, he's not a Tory Hunter level personality. Like Royce Lewis no, would no, step no, in and not. take over. No problem. I think it's more Polanco. So Marwin definitely is like this. Marwin is the same guy, I think, in a big moment as he is in the third inning when he's Yeah, but the problem with Rosario is that he swings from his heels no matter the moment. It's, Mar- w- it's work, though. I mean, that's the thing. Like, this of. season. I mean, I'd have to look at his numbers close in late. Yeah, and you position. always remember the walk-offs or whatever, the pinch. I mean, the big homer against – who was the big homer against like two weeks ago? Oakland? Uh, he did have a big one against, against Oakland, Louis but that was Trevino a while or back. Something. That was uh, like three weeks ago or a month yeah, ago. Yeah, I was covering that game. I uh, wasn't a walk off, but it gave him the lead in like six, the eighth? Six, sixth inning, I think. But it was oh, yeah. it was like a turning point. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just I think Rosario, the Twins need players like this. Where I think Sergio Romo is like this. I think Polanco is like this. I think Rosario is like this. Guys who just are unfazed in big moments because they're just going to have more and more as the season goes along, as you get into the playoffs, and then the narrative will shift assuming that this team does what they're supposed to this year from, yeah, they're in the playoffs to, can you get past the first round? Okay. Are you stuck behind the Astros or the Yankees but every year? Stuff knowing, like that. Knowing what I know about Alex Kirilov and, and having met him a little bit, he also strikes me as a guy that, that mo- the moments are not going to get too big no for. No doubt. I, I mean, we don't know that, but no, but, but basically likely. he's very, yeah. very low key. And I mean, I don't know how good Trevor Larnick will be about that, but this is a guy that played in the natty, you know, won yeah. the national championship with Oregon State. They beat Minnesota, so we got to see him up close and personal. Yeah. Actually, one of his teammates, Nick Madrigal, is getting really close to the big leagues with the White Sox. I think, well, maybe he's double A, triple A. I don't know. I know he's getting closer, but he's going to be on the fast track. One of those guys, if not both, will debut next season. And so I think you got to get out in front of this Rosario thing. I, I just think you have to. Kirilov, Kirilov is good defensively, right? We all focus on his um, bat. I think he's all right. I don't know. It's it's going to be questionable what his arm is like because he had the Tommy John surgery and missed an entire year. I mean, I don't know. I, I almost wonder where he would be right now if not for for that because, frankly, he hit the ground running. and was just incredible. I don't know if he'd be in the big leagues yet, but I think you could certainly make a case for the fact that he'd be closer than he is now without much of a leap of logic. I'm a, I'm a big believer in Kirloff for the sole reason that I think with Rosario and Kepler, they're great hitters. They're really taking advantage of the juice ball and they're pretty limited in terms of where they hit the ball. And mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if this is true with Larnick. I I'm certain of it with Kirloff. I think he's going to spray it all over because he just, he, Larnick's he, an opposite field guy. Interesting. Yeah. Um, they which, think, which you like actually. They I think, think his swing will open up to pull power. But it never did for Joe Maurer like they thought it would. Jock yeah. Jones had crazy opposite field power. Yeah. Sometimes left-handed swings are just – that's how when I played, I had all my power to left field as a left-handed hitter. Sometimes your swing just doesn't evolve. And really with Kepler, it's fine. It's worked out for him. But Well, his is the other way around. Right. 
So, I mean, right. But, um, I'm saying limited, you know, you sure. limited field, but, uh, um, I'm less kind of married to Larnick. I think he could maybe be a trade piece or, or part of the future. But I, I, you know, Kirilov to me is, you're right, becomes a foundational piece. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is like the Pierzynski deal. I know it probably won't turn out perfectly, but Pierzynski, they got out ahead of Maurer coming up, right? Yeah, I mean, granted, um, granted expecting a Maurer type to come up again. I mean, he was a once-in-a-lifetime talent. No, 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 no. But Kirilov is a first-round pick that you expect yep, to yep, be part of yep. your future. Well, and so listen to this. If you think about the outfielders who are free agents, let's say you don't want to hand the keys over to Jake Cave or Lamont Wade. Which I don't think you do. I think those are fourth outfielders. Melky Cabrera could be an option. Corey Dickerson could be an option. I don't think Brett Gardner is going to leave the Yankees, but another option. Brett Gardner, also you don't want in the clubhouse. But is he? Is he? A well, I mean, it, well, at least we've seen it this year. Well, he's just he, he just is trying to tell the neighbors upstairs to be quiet. Yeah, that's probably you in your place. It is. Are you the one being loud or the one being quiet? No, I'm, I'm like. Hey Bailey! Actually, you know what? You probably quiet. Have to, you probably have to tell Dan Hayes to be quiet. Yeah, Dan Hayes is a, a lot. But anyway, John Jay is a free agent. Adam Jones, semi interesting. Starling Marte, if his actually, I like Starling Marte if his option gets declined by the Pirates, and I don't know if it will. But Cameron Mabin, I don't know if he's kind of interesting. Cole Calhoun. Cass- but, but you're basically talking about veteran veterans. Yep. Because hey, uh, here's the thing. If you're planning on being good, you can't hand the keys to too many youngsters, kind of like with the rotation. But at the same time, too, you're probably going to want to be sort of risk averse. You're probably going to want a one-year deal on a guy that's not going to be super cheap, but is not going to be expensive. You know, Avisail Garcia, bad fielder. Nicholas Castellanos is going to get multiple years. Yeah, and Cave, we didn't talk about his defense. So he's returning 2008 form in terms of his hitting. Sure. Defensively, he's not not great. He's fine. In the corners, he's better. How about this name? Yaziel Puig. Oh, yikes. Did you see the throw he did last night? No. So, he's a great player. I just don't know why, like, the, so, what that dude. So this, I think it was Frazier, hit a slow roller. The cat, it was either the cat, no, the pitcher picked it up and went to lob it to first, threw it 10 feet over the first baseman's head. It rolls into right field. Frazier trucks into second. He stops. Puig picks it up, spins around, and fires it to third, misses third base by 30 feet, and Frazier just walks to third base. Yeah. He ended up being stranded no because- Puig. The next guy hit a fly ball to Naquin, and Naquin threw Frazier out at the plate with just a seed from left field. Yeah. But Puig is just crazy. Like, he's such a good player, but that he's got that Eddie Rosario in him where you're just not sure what he's going to do at any given moment. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate shopping Rosario. I think you certainly need a viable pitcher coming back. If you don't, people are going to be up in arms. Uh, but If I ever write about it, I'm going to have to come up with a list of, like, five When, names. when you write about it. You know I'm going to. Yes. I, I think... I just like Rosario as the incumbent, and I, I like the idea. I don't think you're so married to Kirloff or, or sorry, you're so married to Lamont Wade or Jake Cave that you can't put Kirloff in the fourth outfield spot, kind of work him in. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's the same problem you have is with Cave is if you don't get regular at-bats, it's hard to improve. But the other thing, too, we've learned with these these outfielders, people want to slow down Buxton. I don't – they're going to do things to try to mitigate injury, but – Byron Buxton is great for the same reason he gets hurt is that he's just reckless and fast. And that's why he gets to balls that no one else gets to. And we've seen it with it's like you and podcasting. It is Bailey. We got it. We got to like cut a lot out of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, <laughs> um, you have derailed. <laughs> I have derailed. I'm very well off the tracks, but, 
I, I think with Lamont Wade, he could offer something defensively. Mm-hmm. He's an inter- interesting hitter. It doesn't mean that Kirloff He could be your leadoff guy too. It, it, yes, and, and sorry, the bigger point is we do know there's injuries because Lamont Wade literally played two games and was being in one of them and broke his finger in the other one, right? We've seen yeah, Kepler thumb. go... Yeah, yeah, his thumb. We've seen Kepler, Rosario, and Buxton go through this. Kirloff may get a an opportunity by nature of the position he plays, meaning that outfielders get hurt and they're going to need him at some point. Mm-hmm. And I would put a lot more... I would give him way more playing time than Jake Cave, who I think we know who he is. And he's perfectly serviceable. He's just not like your long-term corner outfielder. Maybe you have those two in mix and match based on who's playing better. And kind of the same thing with Wade. Wade gives you a little... That's what I mean, him and Wade. And you, yeah, yeah, you oh, trust yeah. Rocco to just kind of massage the situation like he does at the bullpen. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's where I'd go with that. And and having said that, yeah, um, Rosario is going to be an interesting one. I think the guys you have to lock down are Brios. And I know we mm-hmm. should talk about him late here, but... Brios and Buxton. And I know people aren't going to love that with the injuries, but I think those are two players that drive winning. Rosario, I believe, can be, but I don't think he should be classified in the same spot as those two. I still think they got to sign Kyle Gibson, too. But I, so let's talk Gibson's quick. I know, and I know that it's unpopular, but he's a, so he's a fourth or fifth starter now, right? He went from, from kind of third. He gives you number three upside when he's really good and number five downside. And the problem is that you still need those guys. Because Odorizzi, Pineda come off the books. And, and, and just in a modern rotation, unless you're the Mets, where like Steven Matz is your fifth guy, yep. you just need those guys. I'd sign him, yeah, probably two-year two deal. Year deal. Yep. Exactly. Two I, years yep. and $25 million probably. Yeah, you're right. That's not popular. But it, what people misunderstand, like Kevin Correa, let's say, I know that it came mm-hmm. from another organization. That's fine if he, you sign him as your number five guy. He just can't be your a big offseason. Yeah. yeah, he can't be your big offseason. Yeah, Gibson Gibson is tremendous in the community. He's tremendous in the clubhouse. Like, so many guys rip him, like, mess with him all the time. Yeah. About his red hair and about, like, his polo shirts and stuff. And he's a good sport about all that. He's just a hilarious guy. He's one of the pillars in your clubhouse. He's got the corner yeah. locker across from Pineda. I think those are the two guys you prioritize. And I'm a big Jake Odorizzi guy as well. But I, I think w- he's I, clearly third in that hierarchy. And he may – so the thing with Pineda and Odorizzi, they, they might get overpaid. I think you want to keep one of them. Mm-hmm. And I would keep – I think Pineda's a better pitcher. I'd keep Odorizzi just because Odorizzi's less likely to to like get a weird offer. Maybe, I could maybe, be wrong, though. Maybe you keep all three, sign another guy like Garrett Cole. I mean, I know they're not going to. Yeah. But sign another guy and then put Perez in the bullpen. And I, I like Prez in the bullpen, too. We got to talk about Players Weekend because it's coming up starting today. Yes. And the uniforms are all black or all white. What do, what do we think about this, Bailey? Bailey, because the same thing in the NL, You know right? he's got takes. Oh, they're terrible. Yeah. They're absolutely atrocious looking. I, when I walked in the locker room, I thought, I thought it was like a prank. Someone had said they're really bad. I oh, were they hanging up after the game on Wednesday? They were. Yeah. And, and I, are the twins all white? But there's some black hats. I, I really nah, don't maybe, know what they're maybe. doing. I don't know. The problem That's with all bad. white. That's so bad. Think Bailey. about the baseball. Like, think about the baseball coming out of a, the hand of a pitcher who's wearing all white. Cool. Right? Ba- Bailey, I just got to be honest. Like, wh- how did Milwaukee's other – because they, they did a decent job with it last year, right? It kind of looked like a kid's uniform. Well, the Milwaukee Brewer old logo always looked like a kid's – No, it's phenomenal. Like a kid's yeah, you, you, you like the MB better than Oh, me. I love it. Yeah. See, I, I you don't like ha- it? I bought a hat like that when I was out there, though. I really? think every Brewer fan remembers the exact moment where they realized that the ball and glove is also an M and a B. Yeah. Every, everyone yeah. remembers I like, was today, that, that glass – today years old. Yeah, that glass shattering, like, oh, how'd they do that? That was, that yeah. was way better than the next – 
thing they had, which was like the the MB together, and it was like a teal. Oh, was, I saw that in the yeah. in the hallway. And that I was, was like, like 1994, I think yeah. they switched to that. And it, yeah, yeah I don't mind the uh, the newer ones, um, but that the classic they do retro Fridays. They always wear the pinstripes and the MBs, yeah. and it just. I think but, the twins, by the way, should empty out the closet. Bring back the powder blues. Bring back the. What are the M-caps. rules for what? Yeah, how many teams, uniforms can yeah. you wear? How, how can there be rules? Look what the Diamondbacks wear. Those are an abomination. But I, is there like I like some like, of the one of the Diamondbacks, the playoff ones. They actually, wear I, I kind of like the Grays, but I've kind of been like I understand why people hate them because they look like a really sweaty uniform. Like up until recently, the NBA you you had to wear like dark or light depending on if you were home and away, and you can only wear certain jerseys. It, do, it doesn't. Certain. It doesn't matter. They can't be similar, but they you can do like a red jersey versus a blue jersey. Do you follow Super Seventy Sports on I Twitter? Do, I do. We they he has been on this show in the Bearding. That's era. right with yeah. with, uh, with Mike. I, I yeah. can't remember what the guy's name is, but um, we're friends on Facebook. But anyway, he posted in <laughs> uh, in Milwaukee. Kansas City had their uniforms stolen, and they had to wear Kansas City's road uniforms. Yeah, at County Stadium. <laughs> Where you were conceived. We said that last, uh, <laughs> yeah, last yeah, time yeah. we talked about it. Yeah. Were you here for that, Tom? Yeah, and I'm not thrilled. Well, if I wasn't, I heard it, and I was not thrilled. Hey, he listens to the show. Doesn't yeah. tweet, but he listens to the show. Yeah. Fan of the program. Twitter was Tom. Back to the Players Weekend. So the, the Twins on, or were they wearing white? I thought I saw white. Yeah. I, um, Matt Trueblood said we have to talk about him, and obviously Trueblood's opinion him. is correct. That They're, they're, not, they're not good. He said What he said was, it's so funny that a game that encourages players to be so soulless and without personality allows this to happen so they can monetize it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot yeah. like the Star Spangled Banner because they get money from like the uh, military, military and stuff. rather yeah. than it being, you know, about patriotism. It's more uh, let's line the pockets with a little bit of that military cash. Yeah, I do not um I don't get it. I the other uniforms I kind of got because if you're getting a uniform for a kid, remember the players' uniforms? Oh last yeah, they year? were they were like light blue, like like tar heel blue and red, weren't they? Yeah, um, they were like really bright and vibrant. The Brewers ones were like blue and like neon, like green or something. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm gonna look these up. Yeah, the, uh, the this is a podcast. There's no visuals. Now. Yeah, the Brett Phillips one with Maverick on the back is like blue and it's really. I forget off the top of my head, but it's like blue and oh yikes with the yellow shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. Like the Brewers are almost there in terms of their uniform. They've incorporated the MB occasionally. Yep. yep. They weirdly wear Milwaukee at home, which I always feel yep. like you should wear the city Whoa, you're in away. I just away. looked at it too, and that is wild. Yeah. yeah. But you know what I mean? Because I, I, the twins do that, and I think those are the twins uniforms that they've done really well. The the kind of grayish one and the blue one that say Minnesota across. Um, but I, I mean, their normal ones are fine. Like they they look good. I like the MB is more creative, and I like how they have the throwback with the twins. I think they should not have gone away from the cream ones. I don't know if that was if they're just trying to roll that out every like fifteen years and make it a novelty or something. But I thought those were really really good, and it's cool that like Joe Maurer's last game is him in the catcher's uniform wearing the old school uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the new blue ones at all. The the yeah, weird I think goal. I think they're growing on me. I I tweeted really? them from I tweeted them from. Twins Fest, I thought they were pretty good. Hmm. By the way, Bailey, didn't Michael Blazik use like Blaze It for his uh, players? Weekend? I believe so, yeah. Wow. Good thing I wanted that was... for Jeffress, but that's just. Yeah, uh, good thing his number wasn't 420 <laughs> on the back. <laughs> I'm surprised um, Trevor Bowers isn't 69 with a nice because yes. his is actually J. period O chart, and he lost a bet at Driveline where he trains in the offseason. And that was one of the trainers that actually now works for the Phillies. 
He's like a hitting coach. And actually was he was in can he was a candidate for a twins job and actually the twins were a runner up. But he he literally lost a bet and so he had to put the guy's name on the back of his player <laughs> weekend jersey. How about this for a take though? Jason Nagel, who is known for kind of being a local radio guy who's worked at the Cities ninety seven and Go ninety six and all that, said Ron Coomer just said the white baseball helmets look like stormtrooper helmets. He ain't wrong. Now I'm looking forward to seeing what that looks like. It's just it, it, I just don't understand how they mess this up. Most teams, I think, get their uniform right. Take Arizona out of here or whatever. Like most baseball teams, I think, wear pretty good uniforms. I've always said the Rockies, I wish, would completely overhaul theirs. I'm get rid not of a the big purple? Fan. Yeah, I'm just not a big fan of that. I also think they have cool state flag colors, which if you've seen oh, the yeah, Rockies the hockey game, the- I feel like we've had this conversation. But the Twins. The who twi- were the Rockies before they, like, who did they become? Uh, the devils. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, um, yeah, with the twins, I think they need to incorporate the M back. Not, I think it should be like an alternate. You know what's funny? I always want the hat that they're not wearing at the time. Yeah. You've said that when they had the M's, I was like, Oh man, bring back the TC. Now they have TC. I'm like, I'm kind of missing no, the TC M. is the it, the TC is the best like base one. I like the M as a novelty throwback. Did you notice the C is exactly the same as the Cincinnati C? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. No. Um, what about the white pinstripes? Like the, the pucket era, right? The world the white series with the era. pinstripes? Yeah. I dig it. Yep. Yeah. And, so and I assume that'll come back. I call them twin stripes. Yeah. Like pinstripes. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but I mean like the, the gray ones they wore in that area were not great. The, I, I just, this is a long, long, long winded way of saying, I don't know why they screwed these up. The other ones weren't great. The players weekend, but at least they look like kids jersey. You could get them for your kid. Like, well, I don't know who's buying these. I wonder if they'll hand out t-shirts tonight. Who wants that? Like, I just, yeah. I'm just I end up getting them for my wife and she wears them to bed. So it's like not a, not a real big deal. Yeah, no, no, no. Anyway. I'm, just, I'm just saying like I, the players weekend thing just doesn't make sense. It's like, how does Miami have a uniform you can't see the numbers on? We talked about this, but it's just someone's, Miami's already someone's got to regulate this. Yeah, someone's got to regulate this stuff. Makes it worse. Well, Trubud wanted us to talk about that. I know people want us to talk about batting lineup. So let's do that quick before we shove off for the night or the day or whatever you want to say. People want to know if we're surprised that Luis arise after such a strong game, and granted the Twins lost, but Kepler came out of Texas with a little bit of heat-related illness and ended up sitting on Monday's game against the White Sox. Luis Arise had, I think he saw 27 pitches, did not swing and miss once. Are you surprised that they haven't tinkered with putting Arise in the leadoff spot more often? I don't hate the idea. I mean, it's kind of the same idea as Kepler or whatever. He well, does. it reminds me, it's, it's like Dozier, when they wanted Dozier out of there because he was hitting all those homers. Kepler's got, what, like 33? Yeah, so different player. Rise, obviously, is kind of that old school, sp- sprays the ball all over, not much power. Kepler hits it one way for a lot of power. But the I don't hate him there. I think it's the same mentality as boxing. People are saying, move him up, move him up, move him up. It's like, well, he's not broken. Don't fix it. You know what I mean? I, if he keeps going in that spot, I would not mess with him because he's he's such a better player than I thought he'd be. The Twins lead baseball in crooked innings too. Crooked, really? Two hundred and it's two hundred and one or two hundred and two. I actually ran the query today. The one thing I like about a rise ten point one percent walk rate. I wasn't convinced that that was going to be a thing because in the minors he was a lot more like six seven percent, which you you know it's still better than like an Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario is like three four percent. Jonathan Scope is like two percent. You'd, you'd really want it to be more along the lines of at least eight or nine. I think Kepler's probably like four, 
15 or something. But if you're going to look at just walk rate alone in, in no, no, Kepler's 10%, so there's really no difference. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'd put a rise up there. I know that it certainly doesn't, like like we know batting, batting lineups don't matter that much. Um, I think that assumes a certain level of competency, which I think Rocco has. Yeah, but they fill him out early. I think, too, you just kind of want to maximize, to make a pun, I guess, Kepler's home runs with him driving in, guys. I wouldn't touch it. Leave it, let a rise be. He's a stud player. I mean, just way better than I thought he'd be. I, I think I'd go a rise, Polanco, Kepler, Cruz, Marwin, Sano, and then whoever's catching that day, Garver, yeah. seventh. Yeah. Or maybe Garver, sixth, Marwin, seventh, Buxton, ninth. Who does that leave? Eighth. Whoever's playing. You no. Know, um, let's see who am I missing? Is that scope or someone like second base? It must be. Yeah. No, because Arise is leading off, so he's playing second base. Oh. Short. They got third. Oh, it's Crone. Oh, who Crone is really. So. But, and well, doing that off the top of my head, I don't know where I have Marwin in that lineup. I, I just rattled it it's off. It's nice. It's actually a convenience that you can put him anywhere. Yeah. You know, he's but productive. I mean, as long as it's not shortstop, I think that he could play anywhere else. No, and I'm saying anywhere in the lineup. He's that good with his bat. I, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Crone needs to kind of get going. Bria, are you concerned at all about Brios? He did take up his velocity a little bit in the last start, didn't he? I think if he gets roughed up by the Tigers is when you really have to be concerned. Yeah. Like, it's just weird. He is really, so, really. He, he prepared. It is not laziness. Like, he is constantly no, stretching no and working out. No question about it. I, it could, he needs a breakthrough, though. Unless I, he's burning th- out. That's the only thing. Could he be wearing out? But because, he has not pitched much. He wrote about this. I mean, it, it's... People should read your piece. I, mean, about I don't mean pitching. They, I mean like how hard he works out because I think it could also be. It's maybe a conversation they need to have with him. I mean, we don't. I mean, they would know better than they us. They would. But, but I'm just saying, like, nothing else really makes sense. He's thrown 100 pitches like eight times this year, six times this year. Like, nothing compared to Shane Bieber, who's like 22, 23 times. Yeah. Trevor Bauer's like 24. Lance Lynn. Lynn's like 69 times this year. I mean, it's <laughs> like they're throwing pitches. Like, so. Trevor Bauer's first pitch of his last start was number 3,000 of the season. Only one pitcher in the American or in major leagues had more than 2,800, and it was Lance Lynn. Like those two guys, you run into the ground. And I think Tito did that knowing that Bauer was going to be gone. <laughs> and because Bauer is extremely, you know, he's kind of a workout fanatic in his own way, more uh, mental workouts than anything. But yeah, yeah Barrios hasn't been overworked on the mound. I think that's been a concentrated effort by Rocco. But at the same time, Maybe that's leading to him working out harder because he knows that he feels good, and maybe there's some give or take on either side of that argument too. Yeah, I'm at a loss there. Crone, Crone's another player that needs to to kind of get going. But yeah, I think that he had that double against the was it the White Sox in this last series that kind of broke it open in the game they won. Mm-hmm. Big ringing double over the head of I think it was Lurie Garcia. Yeah, because it was a three run double, and then the Twins went nuts. That was the game they won. 14 to 4, I want to say. Yeah, we should point this out. Last three starts for Brios because the two before that, he went seven innings. Bad one against Atlanta. Really good team. Jumped all over him. Yeah, Atlanta's. Still tri- managed to almost go six innings. Six innings against Cleveland. Gave up three runs. I mean, again, we know how good Cleveland is. And then 4.1. So, you know, four in and out in Texas. I think sometimes you have to throw those out too. I mean, that, that's like. That's in that weird heat and stuff. I, you know, I, it's a concern because it's a trend in the past, not because of what he's specifically done this year, in my mind. I think everything hinges on the Detroit start. I just think if he does not come out sharp tonight, 
you think about skipping him. I don't know if you put him on the IL with arm fatigue or, you know, you, I, don't, I don't know if you try anything like that. You could bring yeah. up Devin Smeltzer to make a start against the White Sox or against the Tigers, but... Yeah. Big start for Brios coming up, though. Yep, yeah, no question about it. Bailey, anything to add? Red dog. Ever? Uh, <laughs> I've been to two Twins games oh, this year. Oh, yeah, you told me this. I, I meant to reply, yeah. but I get so many mentions at the end of the games that I... I, yes. So I've been to two Twins games. The final score of both games was fourteen to four. They lost one to the Mets and won one to the White Sox. And then didn't you say what are the odds of that? Yeah, like what are the how many games a year end at fourteen it's like to four? The, like the same odds of Eric Reed being selected for five random drug tests in yeah, the same yeah, yeah. season. Yeah, someone responded to the tweet and it was like, For you a hundred percent. I was like, Oh yeah, I guess that is true. But also not really. Um, I don't think that's how odds work. It's not, but um, <laughs> yeah, odd just, people work. just thought it, that game on uh, that was Tuesday. It was just uh, we on it. We left. It was um, they scored. I they scored seven more runs after we left the ballpark. Thank you, because uh, like we stayed eighth inning. They brought in Romo. I'm assuming Romo went for the last four outs, but Mm-mm. no, he just came in for the one batter. Yeah, um, I was like, they took Duffy on that. I don't remember who pitched the ninth. Because um, I was like, yeah, they're bringing him in. Like he had, he gave up that home run to the Brewers, but like they were they weren't gonna at that point they weren't gonna give up four more yeah, it was runs, a three or four run game. Yeah, at that point. And yeah, and then they gave went and scored seven more. Um, but yeah, just weird little tidbit. I wonder if Trevor May pitched the ninth. I don't remember, but uh, it wasn't Romo. They they put in somebody else. Yeah. Either way, well, that's all we have for this episode. I think we'll probably come back Monday. We got to see what my personal schedule looks like. I think my wife's got to go to like the orthodontist or something. Otherwise, I'll be calling in Tuesday. Yeah, doing that Invisalign, you know. Got to get a sponsor for that. What do you think? Let's do it. Anyway, <laughs> so for Tom Schreier at T Schreier 3 on Twitter, producer Justin Bailey at I am Justin Bailey. I'm Brandon Warren saying thank you so much for checking us out. Find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. Tune in next time for an all new edition of Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Rock over London. Rock on, Chicago.